Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. And today we've got the amazing Chris Walters, if you want to come up, Chris. <laughs> He's carrying on our red letters, the words of Jesus. So he, I'm going to let him tell you what he's talking about. I'm sure he'll keep it a surprise. Um, well, no, I should probably tell you. Okay. <laughs> How long will it take? Uh, well, How long I've, will it take? I've got five weeks off, so five weeks. <laughs> settle down, settle down. Um, good morning. <coughs> Don't know why I've got a pen, teacher habits. Um, yeah, red letters, red letters. Uh, last week, uh, we weren't here, we were away, so I had to listen to the talk over podcast. Um, I, I love listening to, to talks over podcast because it means you can uh, just keep up with what's going on in church if you're not here for whatever reason. I think the tech team do a fantastic job. Uh, but there are certain things that get a bit lost in translation when you're listening to the podcast, particularly when uh, you know, there's something visual going on. Anything on the screen you can't see, anything that's going on up here, um, I can't see at all. Julian, was there something to do with an umbrella last week? Help me out and help other people who weren't here, because I, I couldn't make too much sense of it. There were grapes as well. well. What was happening? Somebody refresh me and refresh those who weren't here. <coughs> there was a sunshade. Shelter. Okay, what was that all about? Why, why did we have that? Covering. Okay. Okay, so in a, it was about abiding in me, staying close to Jesus, etc. Okay. Um, well, what were you doing with Sean? It sounded like there was a tickle fight going on at one point. <laughs> Stay, all right, staying in the shadow. So, so Julian, I listened to it while I was away, and Julian was talking about abiding in me, not me, Jesus, uh, and, and he will abide in you and sort of staying close to Jesus. I'm going to come back to that um, at the end of my talk. Uh, but if you haven't listened to it, make sure that you do, because... Um, it's important, you know, it's really important that we look at the red letters of Jesus because there's a lot that people do believe about Jesus and there's a lot that people don't believe about Jesus. It doesn't matter if you believe he was the son of God or he wasn't. It doesn't matter whether you believe he died or rose again or didn't. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you believe he's ascended and is still alive today or not because the facts remain that over the last 2,000 years, Jesus has been the most influential teacher this planet has seen Okay, his words are still with us today. Uh, his teachings have infected billions and billions of people over the last 2,000 years. Churches are, are all over the world. Uh, there's compassion projects left, right and centre. Even in this church, there are, there are thousands, well, not thousands, loads and loads of different things that we do because of the red letters of Jesus, because of his teachings. So it's an incredibly important that we do take time uh, to look at the words of Jesus. Um, I'm going to look this morning... Uh, at Mark 2, Mark 2, 1 to 12. So if you have your Bibles with you, read them. If not, read what I've put on the screen. Ignore that. Read that. Uh, Mark 2, it's the story of Jesus healing, healing a paralysed man. So it says this, uh, When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door, while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralysed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him 
uh, to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralysed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralysed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Um, I'm going to pick out two points from that story this morning. Just two points. I'm going to tell a story to illustrate each. And I'm going to give some person in here the opportunity to walk out £10 richer than when they came in. Okay? So over the next half hour or so, uh, that is going to be what's happening. Sound good? If it doesn't, tough. That's what's happening. Uh, Point one I'd like to make. Uh, I I put this in red. I realise it's not actually Jesus saying this. This is just uh, Mark who's writing it. Uh, But I want to pick up on this phrase of seeing their faith. Okay, so when you think about it, it's it's slightly strange. I mean, how how do you see someone's faith? You know, you can see the wind. No, you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects that the wind have. And it's similar um, with a person's faith. You can't see a person's faith. You can't see what they believe, but you can see the effects that a person's faith has in this. story I want to tell um, is about uh, this time. Uh, we took a group of people to Malawi back in 2012. Uh, there were 17 of us that went, there were four leaders, and do the maths, Chris, 13 young people. Okay, So 13 teenagers uh, across a group of the churches in Whitstable. We took them out to Malawi to join uh, with a project that was run out there. We went with an organisation called Soapbox, Uh, And they partner with local organisations in different countries all over the world uh, and get involved in the work that they're doing. So they send teams out to get involved in those things. Uh, We were sent to a a project called Starfish Malawi. uh, And then we were sent to a project within that project who were building a school uh, for kids to come and learn things. Uh, And so we we went for two weeks. Uh, We were helping to build the school and helping to run some after-school clubs uh, for the kids that were there. Um, I highly recommend short-term mission trips. Who's, who's been on one before? Good. Who's never been on one? You need to go on one. Seriously, I, I cannot recommend them enough. God will do something in you. He will use you in ways you cannot be imagined. You will see things that you never thought you would see. You will have life-changing experiences. Uh, we are called to go to all nations to spread the word of God, okay? And short-term mission trips is a fantastic way to do that. Um, do it, right? Do it, do it, do it. The problem is when you do something uh, incredible like that, there's a cost involved to it. Uh, the cost for this was £1,500 per person. I'll do some more maths for you this morning. 17 of us, that's £25,500 that we needed to raise to be able to take all 17 of us to Malawi to get involved with that. Uh, the problem with that is we had exactly £0 when we started uh, and we needed to raise the 25500 between September and the following July to be able to make payments, to make all the bookings, etc., 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 okay? Now, I really felt quite strongly that God had called us to do this trip. I'd been to Africa a few times before, 
um, and it had been a really uh, exciting, life-changing experience for me. Uh, and I felt like God was calling us to, to take a group of young people to share that life-changing experience so that they could have that in their lives. Um, but, you know, the problem is 25 grand, a lot of money. I didn't have and I still don't have and I probably never will have £25,000 lying around spare to take a group of people to Malawi with me, OK? Um, so we needed to, we needed to, to raise the money to, to do that. Um, Here's what I've learned from my experience in life as a Christian and from what I read in the Bible. Um, when God says something is going to happen, it happens. Anyone else? Yeah? Good. <laughs> it, it, it does. It, it just has this funny way of happening. Like It doesn't matter what God says. Uh, if he says something will happen, he's got so much authority in this world. He's got so much power. Uh, that he is able to make absolutely anything happen. The problem is, the things that he say he says will happen tend to be fairly unbelievable, right? So we look at some examples in the Bible, things like Noah. Okay, there's this guy who, who's living in the middle of the desert. It's probably not rained for years. He says to Noah, you need to build a boat because it's going to rain. And he says, why do I need a boat? Can't I just get an umbrella? God's like, no, 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 no. It's going to rain, okay? There's going to be a flood all over the earth. Even the... the uh, the floodgates of the earth, the springs of water are going to well up, you're going to need a boat, okay? Noah's well within his rights to say, no, don't believe it, it's probably not going to happen, but because God said it happened, it happened, okay? So he went about and he built a boat. Think about people like Abraham and Sarah who are into their 80s and 90s and God turns up to them one day and he says, you guys are going to have a kid. Anyone in their 80s or 90s? <laughs> Fancy having a kid? No, exactly. But because God said it would happen, we read through scripture and we see that it happens, okay? And I've seen this in my life as well, that when God says something is going to happen, it tends to happen. Um, so we, there's a formula as well for, for these things that tend to be fairly um, unbelievable that I've found. Uh, and the formula is, if, if God says something's going to happen, you do what you can do and you trust God to do the rest, Three-part formula. God says something, you do what you can do, and then you trust him to do what you can't. You trust him to do the rest. So we went about doing what we could do okay, to get us to Malawi, to raise all this money. Uh, we got everybody together. Uh, we, we all crammed into a, an upstairs room. Uh, and we had a whiteboard and we just wrote down all these fundraising ideas and all that. And we did everything that we could do. Because we're Christians, we did a cake sale. Uh, it's kind of like the, just the natural first go-to thing. It's crazy the amount of Christians who can make cakes, isn't it? It's just, I don't even like them. You know, I'd rather have a cheeseburger. Um, but we, we did a cake sale, we did bacon sandwich sales, we did jumble sales, uh, we did football matches, we played a match of like fundraising against different churches, we did a 12-hour fancy dress football match, uh, we did a 24-hour badminton match, people raised sponsorship for that. Um, we did loose change jars, I used to live in a shared house uh, and people would come around all the time, we just had these jars out and we ended up collecting like 350 quids worth of loose change just over this time. So we set out this fundraising project and we did a um, fundraiser this month, that month, this week, that week, all between September and July. Uh, so we were doing what we could do. During that time, though, there, there was a whole load of people who, who came up to me, uh, even people that I, I love, I, I trust, I admire. Um, they came up to me and they, well, one of them even sat me down and just said, Chris, this just isn't going to happen. 
Okay, just said those words, just said, this isn't going to happen. And it made me smile because I thought, actually, as much as I love, trust and admire you, I love, trust and admire God a little bit more. Okay, and he said that it is, he said that it is going to happen. Okay, so I, I, I appreciate your wisdom and your advice, but this is going to happen. And we had all these fundraising events going on and my confidence was absolutely sky high. Do you know how much we raised from all the fundraisers that we did? £5,000. <laughs> okay, right, we're nowhere near enough, right, whatsoever. Needed 25, we had five, nowhere near enough. But something happened during those months that we were fundraising that I haven't, I haven't seen this before, I haven't seen this since, in all honesty. Just God unleashed this spirit of generosity on, on the people that heard about the trip. It was incredible. I remember coming in to church one week back in the old building. I sat down on the end of a row. Tanya was sat at the other end. She was one of the other leaders that came with us. And she passed me a note down the row, like, you know, like kids do at school. They, they don't really do that anymore. They just chuck chairs. Um, but <laughs> she passed me this note and I, I unfolded it. And it just, just the words on it said something like, so-and-so wants to give us £3,000 for the trip. I think I wrote some sort of swear word on it and passed it back. I was like, you want me? And, uh, and, and they, so that came in. Uh, someone came up to me and said, how much does it cost to send one person to Malawi? I said, £1,500. They wrote me a cheque for it. Other people were writing cheques in, in the thousands, in the hundreds. Uh, that we put, were put in, trust, in touch with a trust fund. Uh, and they sent, we sent one of the young people who met the criteria of the trust fund to the trust fund. They gave a presentation. They gave her the £1,500 needed to go. And just all of a sudden, all this money just came out of absolutely nowhere. And God just provided and provided and provided. Why? Because he said it would happen. We did what we could do and we trusted him to do the rest. You know, in this story that we've just read today, um, we, we see these people uh, and, and these four friends. They've got, uh, they've got a friend and they, they want to get him to Jesus. You know, he didn't, Jesus didn't see their faith when they were sat in a room praying for their friends. I think they saw their faith when they climbed the roof, when they dug a hole in the roof, when they lowered down their friend. I think Jesus saw their faith when their actions showed their faith. They, they saw their faith when they were doing things. Okay? And I think Jesus saw our faith when, uh, when we had about 50 people turn out for a fundraising football match when it was minus one in the middle of winter. I think he saw our faith when people booked time off work to, to come to Malawi. I think he saw our faith when, when we gave up evenings and weekends to do all these fundraising things, to put our actions where our faith was. I think that is when Jesus saw our faith. And there's this common misconception that faith uh, is, is just about believing something, that if you close your eyes and squeeze hard enough, it will happen. That's not faith, okay? That, that's belief, and there's a difference between faith and belief. Um, I've been away this week, and I've been able to read the book of James. Um, James is an absolutely fantastic book. If you only read one book in the Bible, uh, read James. You know, it's a brilliant book. It's five chapters long and it's absolutely packed with some incredible truth and incredible wisdom uh, that you will find a revelation in your life. This is from James chapter two. Um, I I haven't put the whole chapter up there. Uh, I've kind of taken some things out and just left some verses that speak about faith and actions. Um, So in verse 14 there, it says, what good is it, dear brothers, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Verse 17. So you see faith by itself is not enough unless it produces good deeds. It's dead and useless. 19. You say you have faith, but you believe that there is only one God. 
Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? 24. So you see that you are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. 26. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. You know, the overall point that I believe James is trying to make here uh, in this chapter, in these verses, is that faith is so much more than belief. You know, faith is, is, is an action, it's a doing, it's a putting your actions where your faith is and in what you believe in. You see, when God says something happens, it will happen. Uh, in both these stories, in the story that we've just read about Jesus healing the paralysed man and in what we've heard about Malawi, uh, people believed in Jesus, they believed in what he said, they believed in who he was, and then they acted on that. I'm going to show you a clip uh, from one of the greatest films ever. Uh, I was talking with not showing you this because I didn't know how much time it was, but then I remembered there are some um, people who are uncultured and have never watched Indiana Jones before. Okay. Um, some, some backstory you need to know. This is, this is from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, his dad is played by Sean Connery. You're going to see Indiana Jones, you're going to see Sean Connery on the floor going, like that in a bit. Okay, that's just all you'll see of him. But that's his dad, okay? He's dying. Indiana Jones, he's going through some temple or other, uh, and he's trying to find the, uh, what's it called? The Holy Grail. Uh, and he believes that if he can get the Holy Grail back to his dad and he can drink from it, his dad will be all right. Okay, that's the basic premise of what's going on in this clip. brilliant 80s special effects in there, haven't you? <clears throat> um, so basically, Indiana Jones needs to take a leap of faith to get across to the other side. Uh, I won't spoil the rest of it for you, but he's, he's 
accomplish that part of the challenge. Go and watch Indiana Jones, all four of them. Don't watch the fourth one, actually. That's a bit rubbish. Um, here's the thing, though. If Indiana Jones had just sat on that ledge and, and said and thought and felt that he believes that he can get across that gap, would that have helped his dad? No, thank you, son. <laughs> One person switched on in here. No, no, it wouldn't. He, he would have been left to die, okay? Left to do absolutely nothing. If we, as a group of people, going to Malawi and said, we believe that God is going to help us get to Malawi, but we've done absolutely nothing about it, would we have got to Malawi? Probably not. I highly doubt it. If these friends in this story had said, we believe that Jesus can heal our friend, but took absolutely sort of no steps of faith towards getting their friend to Jesus... Would he have been healed? Probably not. Okay? And this is what James is saying, that faith and actions need to work together. Your actions need to be driven by your faith, and you need to be doing things uh, because of what you believe in. I want to make someone £10 richer. Anyone up for that? Don't pretend you're not. (laughs) Yes, you are. Um, Right, I'm not going to show you the £10 note, because that would make things too easy. God doesn't tend to show us the things that he's going to do before he, do, he does them. He sort of lets us wait, okay? Um, but I do have a £10 note on me today, right? Who, who believes that I do have this £10 note? I know some people are going to be thinking, you don't have it, Chris, because you know what I'm like a little bit, okay? Just put your hands up nice and high and just keep them there for me, please. Okay, <laughs> some people are just like, they might have a ten. That's actually quite a lot of you, okay? Um, Christine, I trust you. Could you... No, keep your hands up, keep your hands up. Because I can't choose because I'm biased. Could you just pick someone for me, please, who's got their hand up, who, who thinks that I might have a tenner? Uh, they need to have a sense of humour and preferably be good-looking. <laughs> you haven't? You can rethink. Jackie, she's, uh, she's chosen you. <laughs> Give her a hand, everybody. Give her a hand. Uh, <laughs> this is my beautiful mother-in-law. Hello, Jackie. How are you? Nervous. Nervous. Good. Are you well? Very well. Good, good. Right, Jackie, it's not as simple as here's a £10 note, OK? There are some hoops you have to jump through to get the £10 note. This could be quite funny, actually. <laughs> it will make a good photo opportunity as well. Um, right, Jackie, in my bag of many tricks, I have some things. Uh, they are clothing items that I'd like you to wear. You can say no at any point. You can walk away, but you will walk away without £10. Clear? Clear. OK. Oh, it's not a Liverpool shirt, is it? It's not a Liverpool shirt. Don't worry, no. <laughs> No, I've done that trick before. Right, first and foremost, here's my Christmas jester costume. Yeah, wear that. Elf costume. So I'll put that on for you. It just goes over the top. You're nice and small, so it'll fit perfectly. <laughs> Second thing, jester hat. Does that work? Third thing, you need to look a bit cool. Right, a couple of other things to do. Um, Can you please rub your belly for me? Pat your head for me? Uh, And then in a parrot's voice impression, I'd just like you to say, who's a pretty boy then? You're a pretty boy then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, that'll do. Thank you very much, Jackie. You have £10 there for you. (laughs) You can keep that on if you like. Right. The, the reason I do that, right, it's not, not a gimmick or anything like that, a little bit, to be fair, but um, 
I, it says in Matthew that when Jesus taught, he used uh, different stories and different illustrations to bring his points to life and to make them memorable, okay? I, I've been in this church about 10 years now. I, I've been to probably thousands of, of talks in Christian circles all over that time. A lot of them I've forgotten, right? But a few of them have stuck in my memory because people have used illustrations or, or pictures or something to reinforce uh, a spiritual point. I remember years ago, uh, Chris Izzard did a talk. can't remember what it was about, but I remember at one point he just got off to the side of the stage, put his scuba gear on uh, and put his breathing thing, whatever you call it, up and just said, this is the air I breathe. And he was making the point that as Christians, we need to be connected, like physically and spiritually connected to God and he should be the air that we breathe okay and that sticks in my mind and there's a whole load of other things that I remember about sort of visual representations because it works for me so when I when I teach when I talk when I teach in the classroom I always try and have something uh sort of a bit visual so that people can remember uh and and so we can have this spiritual um it, it has spiritual significance to to these things okay and the point I'm trying to make here with, with that is that God sometimes asks us to do things that don't really make much sense okay has anybody ever earned 10 pounds because they put on a jester suit and rubbed their belly and said who's a pretty boy no quite often well yeah, yeah. until today right Quite often, God asks us to do stuff that doesn't really make sense and things that have never really been done before, okay? I love the story of Jericho uh, in that you've got the the Israelites. Say the Israelites are over there, okay? You've got millions of Israelites and you've got this big city of Jericho over here, this fortified city. It's got towers, it's got walls, uh, it's got people on it, probably with bow and arrows, etc. And then God says to the Israelites, says, right, Israelites, what I want you to do is go and take over that city. And so the Israelites are right, yeah, okay, let's do that. Let's get our trebuchets, let's get our battering rams, let's get all these things sorted. And God goes, no, 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 no. Get your trumpets, get your cornets, get your, get your trombones or your oboes or, or whatever else it is, I don't know. And what I want you to do, right, Monday morning, first thing, you're going to walk along here, walk around the city, come back, yeah? Tuesday, same thing, walk around the city, come back. Wednesday, walk around the city, come back, okay? And then on Sunday, <laughs> what I want you to do, walk around it seven times, Blow your horns and it's all going to come down. Do you think the Israelites thought, yes, God, that's a good plan? (laughs) No. You know, there's going to be somebody in that camp who's thinking to themselves, hang on a second, I've got a bit of a better idea. There's going to be someone in that camp who's questioning what's going on. Jackie, you must have questioned at some point what on earth was going on. All the time. All the time. (laughs) Of course you do. Okay. The second point that I want to make from this story that we've read this morning, uh, these are the actual red letters. This is the words of Jesus. Uh, So it says uh, in verse 8, Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? You know, if we know Jesus and we, we know and we believe that Jesus was God, is God, we should know that, that God is trustworthy. We should know that the words that Jesus says, the things that God asks us to do, he asks us to do them for a reason. Sometimes it makes no sense. Sometimes we question them. Sometimes we think there's a better way to be doing things. But actually God tends to know um, what is better. I said earlier from experience and from the Bible, uh, I, I tend to realise that when God asks you to do something uh, and when it, so he says something will happen, uh, it happens. We talked about Noah, we talked about Abraham, we talked about the Israelites and Jericho. All these times and countless others in the Bible, God asks people to do things. He says things will happen and then they happen. 
And yet we still tend to question the things that Jesus says to us sometimes. Why do you question these things in your hearts? Um, I've been called into teaching recently. Uh, you know, for years I was, I was a youth worker in various different capacities. I did a lot of the youth work here. I uh, was involved in, in various different things, and it was brilliant, and I loved it. Okay? Uh, but so, some things have certain times, and then God calls you on to other things. And I felt God very clearly, very, very clearly, call me out of teaching, uh, into teaching and out of youth work. Okay? I remember the first time we, um, we used to go in, part of the youth work that we did, we used to go into uh, the Whitstable School, formerly known as CCW, formerly known as the Nottage for all you people out there. That covers everything, does it? It's not had any other names. Okay, so we used to go in there and do mentoring, sort of one-on-one with some of the young people uh, who just needed a bit of support and a bit of help uh, from someone outside the school. Um, And I remember going in sort of one of the first times that I was there and just thinking about uh, being a teacher. Just thinking, "Mm, I might be able to do this at some point in the future, maybe not, and then I sort of put it to the back of my mind. A couple of years later, um, I kind of got a bit comfortable in what I was doing, Um, I don't really like being comfortable in what I do, and I like a challenge. You know, I like, I like to, you know, a challenge grows you, doesn't it? Um, and what I didn't like about uh, being comfortable is that when I read the Bible, particularly the Gospels and the New Testament, I, I see a lot in terms of the early Christians and the early followers of Christ. But what I don't see is a lot of comfortable Christians. I, I don't think comfort and Christianity are things that sort of go hand in hand biblically. I think there's a lot of people that, that spend a lot of time trying to get comfortable. But when I read this, I, I, just, I see persecution, I see, I see challenge, I see people having to be bold, I see people uh, suffering because of their faith, I see people on the front line. And what I, I, I just started asking God some questions. I was like, what do you want me to do with the rest of my life then? What do you want me to do in the next stage? And I thought back to teaching and I thought about RE teaching. And I thought about what that was. And, you know, in, in a lot of schools, you have sort of five periods throughout a day. Um, so you've got five lessons. Uh, and I remember thinking, you know, you've got about like 30 young people in, in any given class or whatever. Uh, so for, for an RE teacher, it, it would literally be your job to, to stand in front of 30 young people for five hours a day and talk about Jesus and Buddha and Muhammad, but we don't need to worry about those too much. <laughs> okay? But it, it, that's part of the job. And I just remember God saying to me really clearly, what more do you want? You know, a job where you can literally talk to young people about Jesus and about your faith and, uh, and what the Bible actually teaches as opposed to what they think it teaches. I felt him say, what more do you want? So I said, okay, God, if you really want me to be a teacher, then what I want you to do is get somebody to say to me, Chris, you should be a teacher. And so I prayed that and I left it for a few months and then uh, we were at a small group and, and we were calling out gifts in each other and other people and saying, what gifts do we see that God has put in you? And someone just said to me, Chris, you've got a teaching gift. I was like, okay, God, I'll be a teacher. <laughs> said to Amy in the car on the way back, I was like, Amy, I'm going to be a teacher. She said, what, when are you going to tell me this? And I said, now, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> I have no plans. Um, and so, you know, I've gone into teaching. Uh, this last year, I've just finished my teacher training. It turns out teaching is everything people says it is. Really long, really hard, really stressful. You know, people say don't work with children and animals. I often find that working with young people is like working with children and animals. Uh, <laughs> but they're a bit less hygienic than either ones. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, it's hard work. I, I've been based at a school in Gillingham for, for most of the time, and I've I worked out the, the mileage that I've done, I've done about four and a half thousand miles just driving between here and Gillingham, which is fine, 
But, you know, if you're going to drive 4,500 miles, you want to end up somewhere a bit more exotic than Gillingham, don't you? It's just, it, it's just all these things are adding up. And a couple of weeks before half term uh, in May, I just had, like, the worst two weeks of my working life. You know, any job I've done before uh, would just seem like bliss in comparison, you know? I had terrible lessons. I had terrible observations from my mentors. I had terrible behaviour from the kids. All the planning that I was doing, I thought I was doing everything right. My mentors were telling me I was doing everything wrong. Uh, and then I ended up... Um, I, I had two job... Uh, I had one job interview on, on the Friday... And then I didn't get that job that I thought I would. And then I got home to an email saying that I haven't got another job somewhere else where I really hoped that I would. So I got two job rejections on the same day. And it all just added up. And it got to the point where I was like, what is the point? I do not want to do this. I don't want to be a teacher anymore. And I began to question the calling that God had put on my life. I began to question whether God had actually said to me all these things. I was like, did he say, what more do you want? Did he say I should be a teacher? I was like trying to find a little loophole. I was like, yeah, I can just go back and do youth work again. But then we went to, um, to wildfires. Uh, and what I love about going to, to conferences like that and why one of the reasons I'd encourage other people to go and to get booked in is the early bird thing still a thing? Ah, you're too late. Book in anyway. Um, one of the reasons I, I love going is because nobody knows you there. You know, the, the people, you know, there's so many strangers that, that you don't know, they don't know you. And so when somebody says they, they have, a, uh, have a word for God for you, uh, I personally, this is probably wrong, but I, I'm much more willing to listen to that. You know, if somebody says to me, oh, Chris, um, you should be a teacher, fantastic teacher, I'm like, well, you know I'm struggling with teaching a little bit. That's not much of an encouragement to me, okay? But if, if a stranger comes up to me and says, I feel like God said to me that you should be a fantastic teacher, uh, then, I, you know, that just breaks down my cynical barrier. I, I'm a, probably a terrible human being for thinking that. Uh, and there, there are people in here... I'm sorry, Martin, I'm looking at you. You've encouraged me fantastically this year. You really have. Uh, but, you know, it's it just... Nah, I don't know. I'm probably going to hell. But... Uh, um, There's someone who who was talking, uh, and they said um, that Peter was called to be a fisherman. You know, Jesus Jesus turned up, and he called Peter to come and be a fisher of men. But he didn't catch anything for three years. Didn't catch a single man fish. (laughs) Sorry. Didn't didn't catch anything. There, There were no... No, no fishing moment until one day uh, when Jesus had ascended uh, and he spoke in front of 3,000 people. Well, I don't know how many people, but 3,000 people were added to the church that day. And it just gave me so much encouragement. So I was like, I, I've done a year. I, I've not seen much in, in terms of making a difference in young people's lives. But then I see the same thing in Peter. I see the same thing in the Bible, that he was called by Jesus. He probably had some questions along the way when he was trying things and sinking and not quite getting things right, when he was putting his foot in it, his mouth in it, he probably had some questions. He said, did Jesus really call me to be a fisher of men? And Jesus said, yeah, why do you question these things in your heart? Do you not know me? Do you not trust me? Do you not know who I am? So, you know, I don't know what Jesus has called you to, but if he's called you to it, if you've heard him say it, you do what you can do, trust him to do the rest. Okay, I, I'm going to. I'm working at a school in Margate. I'm starting in September. I, I've decided that I'm going to uh, stick it out for at least three years and, and see what happens. Okay, because I, I know that Jesus has called me. I've had some time to think about. It. I know that Jesus has called me into teaching. I know that I've got questions, but I know that He's got answers. Um, I just want to uh, finish 
quickly and then we're going to pray for people. In order to question what God's saying to you, you need to, uh, you need to hear what God is saying to you. Nowadays, there's loads of different ways to stay in touch with people. You know, you've got countless amounts of social media. Uh, you can get in touch with almost anyone all over the world at almost any time of the day. I'm not going to bash social media, although that is on my heart like it is on Julian's. <laughs> I picked up on that from last week. Right. It has its uses. OK, you can get in touch with people and it's fantastic. Uh, other ways of communication. This is quite an old one. This is called talking. Uh, you might remember it. <laughs> It was invented back in the 60s. Uh, you, know, you can go have a drink with one another. Uh, if you want to communicate something to the Man United squad while they're training, you can literally hire a plane nowadays and fly a, blan- a banner over their training camp to let them know who the best football team in Europe is. Uh, you can even send courier pigeons. I just got a bit carried away this week when I was looking at it. In Texas, uh, this is a website where you can ha- fly courier pigeons to carry messages to your friends, etc. God has many different ways of getting in touch with us. He has many different ways of talking to us. He uses angels, he speaks through dreams, uh, he speaks through opticians, uh, no, visions. Uh, he uses words, pictures, nature. It says in Romans about how the glory of God has been revealed through nature. He might use a preacher like myself or Mr Chan. Uh, he might use a prophet like Steve Carell up there. Uh, he, he's got all these countless different ways of speaking to us. Okay? And yet the problem is so many people that I speak to, so many, particularly people sort of in, in their 20s in, or, or younger, uh, just say they never really hear God speak to them or they don't recognise his voice or, or they don't really know what he's saying. Can I suggest to you the number one way that God speaks to people uh, is through the Bible. I love and I hate this picture. I love it because it's true and I hate it because it's true. I love it because it's so true that we do need to be reading it, and it's so true that it just gathers dust in so many people's places. The Bible has been such a huge encouragement to me over the years. There's been times where it has really, really spoken to me personally in my situation at the time. Um, When I got turned down from the two jobs, um, I I came home and I had half a bottle of wine. But in the morning, once I'd thought clearly about it, I opened the Bible, and I thought, what's... What's God saying about this? And I was reading through Zechariah at the time. Um, and, and this is, I, I just opened it up. I was on chapter eight and, and I read this the, the morning after I'd, I just felt really deflated and, and needed some encouragement. Um, this is Zechariah chapter eight, verse six. It says, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. All this may seem impossible to you now, a small remnant of God's people. But is it impossible for me, says the Lord of heaven's armies. It goes on in verse nine. Um, to say, be strong and finish the task. And I've underlined that, I've highlighted it, I've written around it. Uh, And just that phrase, be strong and finish the task, uh, was such a huge encouragement to me. It just felt like God speaking directly to me. So I had six weeks left in school, I had one term left to go. uh, And every morning when I got out of my car, uh, when I turned up and I wasn't really feeling in the mood, I just remembered that. I just remembered God saying to me, through his word, be strong and finish the task. If you don't know um, what God's saying to you, read this. God says a lot to people through this. This has been around for centuries. It'll be around for a hell of a lot longer than that as well to come. People have tried to get rid of it. People have tried to burn it. People have tried to ban it. Uh, but it's the number one best-selling book in the world for a reason. Okay? It's an incredible, incredible book. And God will use it to speak to you if you let it. Overall, what I just want to summarise, and then we will pray for people. Um, faith is not about not questioning. 
You know, faith is not about not questioning. It's about your actions despite your questions. You know, we're all going to have questions. The Israelites, they had questions, but their actions proved their faith. They went and they walked around Jericho. Noah, he must have had questions about building a boat, but he went and did it anyway. Sarah and Abraham, they must have had questions about having a kid in their 90s, but they did it anyway. I hate to picture that. Um, (laughs) A couple of groups of people that I want to pray for before we all imagine our grandparents. Um, (laughs) Jesus says, you know, why do you question these things? He says, why do you question them? Do you not trust me? Do you not know me? We need, to, we need to hear from God before we can question him. Okay? So there's two groups of people. Shall, shall we stand? Um, let's do that. All right, Mel. <laughs> Father, I thank you uh, for, for your word, Lord God. I thank you that we can come and we can read it. I thank you that in your wisdom you wrote down just some of the words of Jesus so that we could be encouraged and that we could be challenged. Lord, I pray for people in here who, who maybe haven't heard from you before. Would you speak to them now? Jesus, would you inspire people to pick up your words and, and to read your words to them? Thank you that this book is so relevant now. So I want to pray for, well, we'll we'll pray for anyone and everyone, but um, I just feel like it's important to to pray for those who want to hear from God and for those who uh, need uh, a faith and encouragement to do what it is that God's asking you to do. So if you want to hear from God or if you need some faith and encouragement to do what it is that God's asking you to do, why don't you come forwards and, and we'll pray for you. Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.